I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello, it has arrived. It's a podcast you've all been waiting for as the Ulster Rugby Roundup previews of the European Champions Cup quarterfinal against Leinster. We've got injury worries to mull over the captain's call to believe and a differing of opinions among the panel. Speaking of which, with me, Gareth Hanna, or Jonathan Bradley. Hello, hi, Ari. And Adam McKendrick. Hey, guys. Before we get to the main event, let's begin with a look back at Ulster 33, Southern Kings 19. The main talking point before that game was the need for a bonus point try, and the main talking point afterwards was that Ulster got a lot of injuries. And the bonus point try. Let's deal with that bit first. Um, yeah, it was essential, and job done. Nobody really cared. Yeah, pretty much. It's one of, <laughs> like, it's one of those games where it, it's more of a story if you don't get the bonus point try. So yeah. if you score four tries or five tries, as they did, then that really is just a par. That's what people expect you to get. Now, if you look at the block as a whole, that would be 21 points out of 25, which is hugely successful. Rory Best made reference to it yesterday that over that window, you've seen the team go from fifth to second. So it was a way to finish off a strong, a strong period for the team on a high note. But look, playing against the Southern Kings at home is a gimme. So... It wasn't anything that was going to excite anybody. This game was always going to suffer as being a precursor to the Champions Cup quarterfinal, mm-hmm. and it suffered even worse that it was then the Kings. Yeah. If it had been against someone a bit more substantial, I think there might have been a bit more excitement, there might have been a bit more of a buzz around the game, but as it was, it was the Kings, it was a game Ulster were supposed to win, it was a game that Ulster did win uh, with the bonus point, so... It was just one of those ones that you kind of wanted to get through. I think there was sort of a sense... In the, in the ground at the time, you know, that, that this was just the game that you wanted to get past to get to the main event. Um, and obviously the ideal was five points and no injuries, and they succeeded on one of those fronts and unfortunately shipped a, a few injuries during the game. So, it, again, like, Ulster got through, got the job done, and that'll be grand. That, that's all they were really hoping for. They now just have to deal with the aftermath of those injuries. Well, before we get on to that, let's just talk a little bit about the the game itself. Um, Rob Little, man of the match, he's uh, left it with with plenty of credit then. Yeah, um, I think as well as the uh, as well as the try that he scored, just his ability to rip the ball in contact was something that we hadn't seen um, an awful lot before. Not something that you expect from a winger, but um, I suppose it's something that you want having that uh, desire. I actually, I was doing the Sunday Life report and wrote and Rob Little laid down a marker with a score and then had to change it when I like double-checked the European squad and realised that he wasn't actually registered. So, yeah, disappointing for him that he can't, uh, he, he wasn't so much sticking a claim for this week as just helping them beat the Kings. You know what, I, I think that's something that a lot of people didn't think about in terms of the Kings game. That was the last chance for a lot of guys to lay down a marker to make a start against Leinster. And I think you saw a few guys doing that. You know, Rob Little, as you say, isn't in the isn't in the European squad, but he at least put in a performance to say, well, just because I can't play next week doesn't mean I shouldn't be straight back in the week after. Um, but you had guys going out there, guys like uh, Matty Ray, guys. I think Alan O'Connor is another one who had to step up and make a, uh, put in a performance just to keep Kieran Treadwell uh, down because I know that. There's quite a similarity between those two, um, guys in the back row just trying to 
make a claim for that spot on the bench potentially. So that there was more to it than just five points and move on. There were guys sort of st- staking their claim, but uh, I, I think Rob Little is very unfortunate, and this comes back to the whole um, whenever you have to submit your mm-hmm. your squads for the uh, for the European games. It has to be done two weeks in advance. You know, if, if Ulster were doing it this week, I have absolutely no doubt that Rob Little will probably be the first one on that uh, on the European squad, given the injuries. But he's just been a little bit unfortunate in that they've had to announce it one week previous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Dan McFarland had plenty to say about that after after the game. Why is it that they need to do it so so early? Do we know? Just that's the rules. I think it's just the rules. And um, to be honest, <laughs> if it. If what happened on Saturday hadn't happened, that this wouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is only an issue because of how it happened, and it does bring up a good point that, you know, what? Why do you have to submit your squads in advance? I don't know if if it's registration or something like that. But it's it just for the knockouts. Yeah, it's like, just for the knockouts. During the pool stages, it's the week of the game. Yeah, I was thinking there was. So that's why it's strange. Back then. Yeah. And obviously, James Hume gets registered, breaks mm-hmm. an ankle, season over. Um, and that's compounded by an injury to Darren Cave and Lou Ludic um, having his own season-ending injury. So, yes, you would, you would have, in an ideal world, obviously, um, registered Rob Little would have given you an extra back three option. And then you would have had the option of shuffling guys around as well. It looks like Darren is going to be fit, I think. So mm-hmm. that takes away the 13 dilemma. As it were, another player here I thought that did very well um, would have been my man on the match. I think would have been Rob Herring. Um, another one who you maybe can't really say stuck his hand up for selection this week because Rory Best is going to play. But um, I thought he had a good game. As Adam said, Alan O'Connor got through an awful lot of work in what was the selection call that could have gone either way. Presuming that Henderson comes through training tomorrow, playing alongside him, I thought Alan O'Connor certainly put in a performance that removed any doubt that he's going to start this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Matty Ray, Nick Timoney, um, I think Sean O'Dea still come back in. Nick Timoney will probably be on the bench. Um, maybe a bit harsh on Matty Ray to lose out, um, but obviously hasn't played an awful lot, and, mm-hmm. or re- hasn't played at all really for a number of months. So, Of course, we are forgetting about someone who doesn't necessarily have to stake a claim but Marcel Kutsia being back yeah. like that was just absolutely massive I think I put in the live blog after about 10 minutes that it just looked like Marcel was delighted to be out there he was putting in some vicious handoffs um, he was showing great strength as we know he's got he did so well to get over for that try I think he had two guys hanging off him as he <laughs> went over the line to score and the, he still managed to get through and get over the line just having Kutsia back as a boost for Ulster is massive. Like he adds so much to all facets of Ulster's uh, Ulster's play, especially in the pack. And I think he's the kind of guy that you know is going to bring his a game for the big games because this is why he signed. This is why he wanted to be here. And especially having missed out for two years, you know he he wants to make up for lost time in these big games and. I think there's no doubt you're going to see even more from him this Saturday than he did last Saturday. And last Saturday, I thought he was excellent on his return. What about Stuart McCluskey then? Um, superb work from him for the, the first, wasn't the first try? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think they really sort of seemed to struggle with um, McCluskey early on. He had a big impact um, to start the game, obviously, with that try as well. Coming whenever Lee Ludic was 
on the ground. It looked like one point the player was going to run over the top of him. I was a kind of a concern for him. But, Can you give uh, Louis an assist for that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a strange try in a lot of ways because given the nature of the game, you're automatically more concerned about the injury than you are about what was going on. So, um, But yeah, he, like, he had another good game and he is going to be a huge, huge player if Ulster are going to win this week. He needs to have a big, big. He needs to be the best centre on the field if mm. Ulster are going to win the mm-hmm. win this. Bear in mind, he he's got a lot of motivation coming up against what looks to be Rory O'Loughlin yeah. and uh, Gary Ringrose. Like this is a huge chance for him to put himself in the in the window for the World Cup because he has been unfortunate in that he hasn't been called up to squads recently. But if you can produce on the big stage. Um, the Aviva Stadium of all places against international opposition then absolutely you're going to make people sit up and take notice and with such little time until the World Cup with Robbie Henshaw having so many injury issues McCluskey can very much put his hand up here and say to Joe Schmidt I'm an option Mm -hmm. Uh, Louis Ludic's injury uh, obviously is just crushing for him after he worked so hard to get back and then he got injured the week before the biggest game in five years Friend of the podcast, Louis, and uh, yeah, I, I was gutted to hear that it, that he'd gone off uh, in the week that it was. Um, did Michael Lowry's performance do anything to sort of uh, stem the worries of the impact it might have on, on the game? The uh, the only problem is that it's a very different game. Like, Michael Lowry came on and a bit of magic to create the try for Rob Little. Mm-hmm. Like, Michael Lowry was among Ulster's best players, among their three or four best players at the weekend. But it's just a very different game playing against Leinster. Um, but look, we've seen him play fullback against uh, Leicester in what was then a huge jump in the level of occasion for him. So he's shown the ability to make that step up. I know he didn't have a particularly good game at fullback in the RDS, but again, he'll have different players around him. It's a big, big, expansive pitch at the Aviva and it's going to be a dry day hopefully so uh, plus in general we're hardly going to poo-poo Mike Laurie's chances of making a big impact of course, you know. of course. <laughs> he is the golden boy of like, this podcast <laughs> in years to come we'll just, we'll just laugh about people having any concern about Mike Laurie playing <laughs> in this game you know um, he'll only probably go and get a man of the match or something I would imagine so thing, thing is <laughs> What what you don't get with Lowry is that stability that you have with Ludic. Lowry can be that X factor guy who can produce magic at at any opportunity. Ludic just gives you stability both defensively and under the high ball. Lowry is still quite a small guy for fullback, so if you send up high kicks and send the likes of Rob Carney after them. You would back Carney to win a lot of those high balls over Lowry, which is a big issue because you saw Leicester benefiting from it so much in the game at Kingspan what, back in what's that now November or October. Um, so the, the, there are pros and cons to having Lowry at fullback. Um, and I think in this big game, you've also got to expect that there's going to be nerves early. There's going to be uh, a bit of anticipation that he, he's going to have to get over maybe in the first five, five ten minutes and that probably applies to most of the squad who haven't played in games like this um, but at the same time uh, Chris Henry said in his column this week 
it, it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's not going to be a game where if Ulster keep Leinster out uh, for 80 minutes, then they're, they're going to snatch something at the other end. It's going to be a high-scoring game. And that's where Laurie's going to be so good because yeah. he can make that offense happen, and that's really exciting, and that adds a little bit of unfamiliarity to the game. So th- this could be a game where he really flourishes um, from fullback, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. It all just depends on how Leinster look at him and how they try and exploit him, um, because that that could be a way into the game for mm-hmm. them. It's a huge amount of pressure on the Leinster kick chase. Mm. because you don't want Mike Laurie counter-attacking. Mm. But the flip side of that coin is Lou Ludic is obviously a fantastic player and you're now going to have a back three of two 21-year-olds and a 22-year-old. Mm-hmm. So you're losing a vast amount of... Now, Jacob Stockdale has international experience um, and a <laughs> lot of it. the best player in the world. In <laughs> <laughs> but you have a very, very young back three mm-hmm. and you're missing Lou Lydic's organisational skills covering skills mm-hmm. calm head um, so he is obviously a loss it would be silly to say anything other than that he would have started this game but I mean, he's gone now Mike Lowry that was a very next man up mentality we're, we're, to, we're, to, we're talking about experience here now, just just very quickly going through the what will probably be Ulster's starting team. Well, hang on, let's not do it yet. We're still we're still officially talking about the Southern Kings okay. game here, guys. Okay. <laughs> move, move on. In, w- in which case, can I can I make one quick? Point? I lost interest in that game. Since <laughs> the can, can I make one quick point on the Kings before I move on? I I think there's been a lot of improvement from the Kings, um, and I know the result doesn't really look that way, but I feel like. Uh, Saturday showed a lot of improvement from the Kings. They're not a team that other teams just completely steamroll over. They have so much attacking potential. They've improved a bit defensively. There are a couple times in the second half where if they finished off maybe one more chance as opposed to Ulster turning them over or not quite getting over the line, then they really make that an interesting game going into sort of the final 10-15 minutes. And I know we were speaking to Robbie Kempson after the game and it was great to see him over in, in Belfast. He's taken over as their high performance director now. And uh, he's really passionate about about that team and what they're doing in the future. So I think that there's a lot to be liked about uh, what the Kings are doing at the moment. And it would be great to see them sort of kicking on from what has been a very good sophomore season for them and moving into uh, moving into next year, where hopefully they can start to be competitive outside of South Africa. I don't really know what a sophomore season is, but fair play to you anyway. That's um, just- just the second year. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, I, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't really know if I'm convinced that South African teams are bringing much to the party here. Apart from, apart from pretending that you knock the ball on <laughs> and then going around to score a try. I like that. The, the, the old rope dope absolute banter merchants. <laughs> but you, you've seen improvements. That's like the Kings. Like sort of... Uh, what do you call she and Todd references there very quickly <laughs> he's subconsciously still in our heads from his uh, appearance you, you, can't, you can't deny that the Kings have improved from last year like, they're, they're picking up like points on the road they're getting wins at home against decent opposition as well it's not like they're just beating the Dragons and that's it they've beaten Edinburgh out, out in South Africa so I think there is improvement oh, no, I they're, think like, there, there they're, can be they more are. they're making steps 
to improve this team. And I think if you give them the time, maybe not not next year or maybe even the year after that, but give them time to build something, the Kings could, in the Pro 14, at least flourish. The Pro 14 table then, as you mentioned earlier, Jonathan, it was a great run uh, of results for Ulster. They're now... Uh, I've, I've lost the table there now, but they're... <laughs> Three, I'm just going to have to wing this. Uh, three points ahead of Bennett. Four points ahead four of Bennett. Points, and seven yeah. points ahead of uh, Edinburgh. Yeah. With three games to go. Away to Edinburgh, away to Glasgow and home to Leinster. They're looking pretty good for that uh, quarterfinal spot. Oh, 100% for a quarterfinal spot. The target, I think, now for them is going to be to host that quarterfinal. Um, I think... Even with the, the games that have uh, come up. See, they've got tough games coming up, but... I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Scarlets and Edinburgh play each other. They do. In the next round, yep. and the Teresa Benetton go to Thoman Park. All right. right. And they face Leinster in Italy, I think, yeah. as well. So, like, okay. like, theoretically, you could lose to Glasgow without losing much ground in the table. Mm-hmm. And then you really almost set up in a way that if you can go to Murrayfield and beat Edinburgh, which is tough to do, obviously, but if you can do that, then you're pretty much home in a boat, really, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Fair enough, that's the target then. So let's officially move on to um, the discussion of uh, Good. The, Good. <laughs> the Champions Cup. Let's talk about the biggest game in five years rather than... Case. Well, we have been talking about it anyway. We've okay. just been pretending we haven't, but we have. Uh, Saturday, 5.45pm. Brexit will not have happened, uh, so you'll be able to get out across the border, no bother. I'm delighted um, that we lost that angle, because if, <laughs> if I had to write pieces about how Brexit was going to affect us, I would have been very upset. I was scared. I know, I was, how many words can you take to write? It won't. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Well, see, I, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they said, well, theoretically, it could still happen. I was like, nope. Nope, it's not happening, it's not happening. Push it back, please. I'm going down on Friday, just to be sure. (laughs) Um, Start praying for all of us who are heading down on Saturday. So, Ulster squad, then, they are, we know, going to be without James Hume, Louis Ludic, as we discussed, and Will Addison. How big is, is that last one, missing Will Addison for a game like this? I think whenever we talked about this, whenever it was, January, whenever these fixtures were decided, um sort of said like Ulster can give this a real rattle if they don't lose X, Y and Z and Will Addison was probably one of those players that we mentioned but and Will Addison's fantastic he's surprised everybody um, for what was a fairly low key signing at the time to come in and make the impact that he had play for Ireland and just such a, such an ill-timed injury for him in terms of his World Cup chances as well is really really disappointing but Darren Cave has um, really come back into things over Mm -hmm. the last um, two or three months so if you're looking at it um, and I think Rory O'Loughlin's a fantastic player but Leinster missing Henshaw and replacing him with O'Loughlin compared to Ulster missing Addison and replacing him with Cave. What's what's the bigger trade-off? I don't know. Um, I think this could be a very good game for Darren Cave to come into. We've seen him before over the last, say, 18 months, where he didn't always get a chance with the full team around him. 
and then it felt like once it went wrong it was the experienced guys who were getting bombed out of the team and then not being seen again for long stretches whereas now he's had a run of form he's sorry a run of games he's played himself into form and we're talking about experience Darren Cave will be one of two players for Ulster um, in this starting team that's actually played at this level before on I think unless I'm wrong well, for for Ulster. Sorry, for Ulster. Him and Best. Yeah, yeah. obviously Jordy's won the thing in the last twelve months. But yeah, <laughs> John Cooney also played in that final. Battle. John Cooney has a medal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. From against Ulster. Marty Moore. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about this before I wrote anything. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Because I this is I was going to say this earlier about the experience. I was going through it in my head, and I think there are five players in the team who have experience at this level and then if you throw Jacob Stockdale in as well as someone who's played at international mm-hmm. level, you know that you <clears throat> you've got a and Ian Henderson, you've got a couple more guys in there as uh, well. As well yeah. So Super sure. <laughs> <laughs> but. you're on a roll mate. Um so yeah look one of only three players who play for Ulster <laughs> at this level. In, in some regards, yeah, that, that's maybe why you do actually want Cave in the team. You you want that experience because Johnny is absolutely right. You're talking about having a very young back three that's likely going to average out at 21 and a half years old you know so having the experience of third is it I don't know all right don't take (laughs) come on um (laughs) but you have the experience of cave inside them you have um John Cooney there who obviously has played at a high level as well there's a lot to like about how the experience in the centres will complement the youth in the back three and I think that's exactly why I agree with Johnny this could be a massive game for uh, for Darren Cave especially coming up against uh, a centre like Gary Ringrose He's, Cave is so defensively sound he, he just knows how to slot into that defensive system without any problems whatsoever so whenever you're coming up against such a creative side like Leinster you need to have someone who you can rely on defensively in every situation, and that guy is Cave. Mm-hmm. And he is definitely going to be fit. We, we knew that because he, had, he was taken off on. Yeah, we're we're the weekend. I think he's going to be fit. Yeah, yeah, he's rated as hopeful, which means I'd be surprised yeah. if he didn't play. Yeah. Well, another couple of players that we we need to be maybe slightly more concerned about then in terms of being fit for the weekend are Ian Henderson and Marty Moore. Speaking of that experience, those two are are key. <coughs> Uh, particularly Ian Henderson, if Ulster's going to uh, do anything in this game. Ah, yeah, look, um, not to be disparaging about whoever would be replacing him, but Ian Henderson is a player that you take a huge, huge hit in your chances of doing anything in this game without him because he's so important to Ulster. It's like, you know, when you're talking about Henderson, you're talking about somebody who was very, very unlucky, I feel, not to play in a Lions test series. Nobody from Ulster, as much as Ferris would have, nobody from Ulster apart from Tommy Bow has played in a Lions Test series in twenty-two years. That's the level of quality that you're talking about with Ian Henderson, and it's not ideal that he'll maybe not be a hundred percent fully fit. But to be without him at all, I think, is a real sort of. Um, death knell really for your chances but he will play 
Oh, I, th- I think he'll play. Yeah, I given that he's Ian Henderson, he could have broke his leg last week. He probably still played. Well, yeah, you know, he was. He could be in a full body cast <laughs> on Friday morning, and he'd still line up on Saturday night. Like, he did a bit of training yesterday. Um, the team's off today, which is Wednesday. Train tomorrow. Come through that. They're not going to do much on Friday. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think he'll play. And what about Marty Murray? Do we know much uh, about his chances? It's very hard to say, obviously, because it's. Um, with return to return to play protocols, you don't really want to ever second guess them. Yeah. Um. Obviously, but and obviously you have to be so yeah so sure that yeah, they've passed them. You know, you, you can't take any risks whatsoever. So, again, he's 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 listed as hopeful, and we, we think he is going to play. But we, if if there's any doubt, you know, set him. Yeah. So basically, then of all, of all the injury worries that we had. Kiev, Henderson and Moore are all hopeful and we think they'll probably play and Shane Re- she, uh, Sean Reedy is definitely playing. Yes. It's, it's so funny sitting after the Kings game thinking Ulster are going to be without so many guys. They've actually come away not too yeah, badly too from it compared yeah. to how it potentially looked yeah. on Saturday night. Because this is the thing that I was saying to Michael, like, you know, six injuries in the one position is bad. But at the end of the day, you can only play one of them. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you're really missing Will Addison because he was the only one out of that number that would have played if he was fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the starting 15 then. Chris Taylor asks, who's going to start at 13? Do we reckon that's going to be Darren Cave? I'd say that'll be yeah. Cave, yep. Run us through the team. Adam, you were keen to do it earlier and I stopped you, so here you go. <laughs> Jeepers, I, w- I wasn't going to run us through the whole team, but let's... You are let's now. Okay, I am now. Well, we've we've sort of done the backs already, haven't we? Larry Balakoon, Stockdale, Kevin McCluskey, and the centres. From, uh, from Saturday, his try. Great player. My favourite player. He scored one. He scored nice about him. something nice somebody. This is going to be a massive game for him, but it's, it's another chance for him to really establish himself as one of the top wingers in this squad because we've just seen him being so ice cool in in the previous games that he's gotten, especially that one in Leicester where you thought that could that could be him, you know, coming unstuck away from home and he breezed through Sorry. that Sorry, as if he had oh. absolutely no problems. Just you calm down there, Gar. Um, <laughs> Nearly near, water all over the lap. <laughs> um, but yeah, look... This is obviously going to be a huge, huge test for him because he's going to be coming up against uh, probably James Lowe. Uh, I don't know if it will be James Lowe. See, I know there's so many questions over, like, I know they have to sit one of their guys yeah, because like, Don't of, get me wrong, I would 100% play him. Yeah. But I think they'll have Gibson Park on the bench. Which seems mad, you know, yeah. like, to waste... If you have to drop one of these guys, it seems mad to waste the spot on the bench. Mm-hmm. But like that's why I think Toner being out is so big because you lo- you don't just lose Toner, you yeah, lose yeah. Um, one of the other players as well because Scott Fardy then has to play. So yeah. sorry, we should explain that just in terms of the European squad rules, you can only have two non-European players, non-Colpac. Players yeah, and then South Africans. Yeah, South Africans Europeans, apply. Yeah. Fid, Fijians apply. Apply into the Colpac rules. Until Brexit happens. <laughs> Until Brexit happens, then well, not for last Everything goes into disarray. But yeah, look, but Balakun has his his form 
well, not necessarily his form. His uh, his performances haven't been quite so standout-ish as they were whenever he first broke into the squad. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That That's just him kind of assimilating into the squad, becoming part of the team and not kind of this guy that's now on the wing and oh, what, what can he potentially do with every touch. Now he's become part of the squad. He's become a regular starter. And I still think he's been really impressive. He does a lot of hard work out on the wing. He's so defensively uh, sound. He just knows where to be. And that's something that's going to stand well to him in this game. This is a game where if you're maybe not so good in attack, people aren't going to pick up on that quite as much as if you make a defensive error. So as long as Balakun brings the defensive game that we know he has then I think he's he's going to be okay in this game and then he can use his speed and his offensive capabilities once he's settled in uh, and he's really impressed. So that I, I'm, not, I'm not... It underlines the season that he's had there, doesn't it? That he's uh, a guaranteed starter for a game like this one at the start of the season. It, like, he wasn't in anybody's... You know what? More, more, than, more than that, it's the fact that you're not worried about him. Yeah. You know, I'm not coming into this game thinking where, where Ulster's glaring weaknesses... Balakun's one of them. I'm not thinking that. You know, to be honest, there's not too many people in this team that I'm thinking that oh, they're a glaring weakness. There are areas where you say Leinster are better, but I wouldn't exactly say there are any any outstanding weaknesses in this Ulster team. But certainly Balakun for me isn't in any way a worry or concern. Yeah. So that's the the back three then. Mm-hmm. Uh, continue. Uh, centers McCluskey and Kiev, which we've mentioned, halfbacks, and, and that's as you, as you have already pointed out, like that could be an area of strength for Ulster, given the, all the worries that were about them. And as you pointed out earlier, Leinster are the team that are missing more in that that area of the field. So, sort of just a little bit. I mean, everybody's worried about that, and now you're thinking, oh, that could be that could be a really a really positive area of the field for. Mm-hmm. for I think McCluskey's probably been the most certainly the most consistent, and I would say probably best 12 in Ireland this year and mm-hmm. then you put Cave in next to him all the experience that he has the organisation that he brings in or the organisation that he'll bring defensively to a team that are playing a Leinster side that um, where you need to be hugely organised Leinster love to take the edge they love playing at the Aviva on you know the big pitch and I think Cave will be really important um, Cooney and Burns um, half packs yeah yeah and then, don't think there's any question about that. No, <laughs> no. Um, need not to be because Burns is the player interview for uh, yeah. Friday. So. <laughs> for um, the likes of if John Cooney uh, going back down to Leinster, I know it's been talked about ad nauseum. But has it? I, I, I haven't read anything about that this week. How uh, Leinster players in the Ulster time? How how big a like an impact do you think it it has on them? Do you think it does? it matters it 100% matters this idea that it doesn't is a complete nonsense like I understand why people say it but there's absolutely no way that you don't want to go down there and be like I am better than what you have and you should have had me playing for you 100% especially when you consider that some of the guys going down there are legitimately going down to prove that they are better you know Cooney Mm. against well, it's probably going to be Luke McGrath, which could be a straight shootout for a spot in the World Cup squad. Jordy against um, Jack Conan. Jordy exactly against Jack thing. Conan, exactly the same thing. Um, Eric O'Sullivan, I know he's not going to be scrummaging against Jack McGrath, and it's it's probably not going to be Jack McGrath who starts, it's going to be Kane Healy, but Eric O'Sullivan going down there to prove that 
he's now a very reliable, solid loose head prop. That's a that's a great story there as well. So these guys aren't Alan O'Connor giving James Ryan the once over. <laughs> these guys aren't going down just to say, "Hey, look at me! I've now made something of myself." They are going down to legitimately say, "Look at us! We would do a job for you if you still had us." And that for me is really exciting to see what these guys will produce whenever they really need to make a mark. So we're into the pack. Oh yeah, Sullivan Best, hopefully Marty Murr. I think O'Connor, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. Henderson, Sean Reedy coming back in, that's big for Ulster, Katsia and Jordy Murphy. Strong team. Do you know what? Um I was talking about this yesterday with a mate of mine and we both looked at the team and said that is a decent side. Now, you're playing the best club side in... Well, sorry. You're playing the side that last year were the best club side in the world. Yeah. Expand on that, please. <laughs> because that means you don't think they're the best club side in the world this year. I don't think they're as good this year as they were last year. I genuinely don't. So who do, who do you think is better than them then? Because... Eh, maybe Crusaders. Okay. Um, That's fair. I would agree with that. But I think they've lost Jordy, they lost Joey Carberry, they lost Ethan Asawa. That's a good bit of depth. Mm. Um, maybe I'm probably forgetting an injury, a big injury that they had last year, but they've had a few more injuries this year. Jack, uh, Jack McGrath's no longer the brilliant backup that he was to Ken Haley in in the past. Yeah, in in so, general. I think that the huge thing with Leinster last year was that they had depth that we hadn't really seen, especially at an Irish province mm-hmm. where you're restricted and who you can uh, bring in. Maybe some of the French teams you could say with their imports. But in terms of an Irish team, they had depth, the likes of which we've never seen. And that depth has taken a real hit over the last um, nine months and could take a further hit um, in the next three or four months as well. For me, this is going to be a huge test of Ulster's pack this weekend because we've talked for so long about how much they've improved this year and they have you know you've seen how the malls become a weapon i think the mall last week wasn't really talked about quite as much they got one try off it but bear in mind that two more tries came off the back of a move that started with a mall being stopped just short of the line which um i think is is still a great return i think you can still chalk that down to a good mall this week it's going to get a massive, massive uh, test of where it really is because you can do it as much as you want against the Kings, the Dragons, teams like that. If Ulster can get them all working against Leinster, it proves that this pack has really taken a step forward, really taken a step forward from where they were because even last year you wouldn't have thought that Ulster's pack could stand up against most of, t- most of the teams in Europe. This year they've gone toe-to-toe with them and already taken some brilliant teams apart like Leicester as per as they've been still have a very large pack and Ulster's Mall went straight over the top of them for a try in Welford Road Scarlet's pack still great Scarlet's pack is still great and the Mall did a number on them as well so if Ulster if Ulster's Mall and their pack in general can even get parity with Leinster's because we know how good Leinster's pack is so if Ulster's pack gets parity with them then that in my opinion is a massive tick for Ulster in terms of not just for this game but in terms of a season as a whole how much they've brought on uh, as a pack unit and if they can even you know edge the forward battle that's huge like this this team has taken such a massive step forward and 
if they could even you know come out with parity in the forwards battle then it comes down to a battle of the backs and you're looking at some of those backs that Ulster have and you're thinking maybe there's a shot here uh, Donald makes a point about the pack as well uh, in one of his two questions for the week. Um, the Weekly Donalds. The Weekly Donalds, yes indeed. Uh, he says, for me the most interesting battle will be up front. Our pack is the best it's been since the Afua days. Uh, would you agree with that? Yep. Get a platform, kick to Larmer and send Stockdale at him. Surely that's the plan. Sound good? Sounds like a decent enough plan to me, I think. Um, Get Donald in the changing room pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Donald can become Ulster's hype man. Um <laughs> I think a huge part of it is going to be Leinster an awful lot like Ireland love to hold on to the ball for long periods so you're going to see Best Marcel um, Jordy Murphy Sean Reedy all needing to get over Leinster ball and slow it up you're going to see maybe a bit of what Bath did with the almost playing with two open sides so you're going to Marcel's not an open side, but you're going to basically charge Marcel with getting over the ball as much as he humanly can. Like, I don't think anybody's won more turnovers for Ulster this year than could see it, mm-hmm. and possibly in the European Cup. Um, the tackle count's going to be astronomical. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like you're gonna have to it's going to be monster 2012 levels. Yeah. And you're going to need to win penalties, knock penalties into the corner, and take them on in the mall, and try and make the most of the absence of Toner. Yeah, yeah, fair. But well, like, you really need to not have Leinster holding onto the ball for three, three to four minutes at a time. So exactly. that's where the battle of the back row just becomes such a huge, huge part of this. If you let Leinster hold on to the ball for long periods of time, they'll eventually wear you down. So that there's gaps there, and they have the guys on the, as Johnny mentioned, on the edges that are gonna really punish you. Which is why Dan Levy at number seven was the one thing you did not want to see on the Leinster team sheet last week yeah, um, against Edinburgh yeah people are talking about you know Josh van der Fleer being out which is a big loss but it wasn't going to play anyway it's mm-hmm. going to be Levy and Levy's the better player so mm-hmm. uh, let's let uh, Rory Best interject at this point then with some of his, his thoughts uh, before the weekend's game it's the big games like the, that's why you play rugby and that's why look been incredibly fortunate to play for Ulster for a long time and and to be in European Cup quarterfinals. I think there was a stage in my career where I thought I'd never play in one and then I was lucky enough to play and I can't remember what it was, it was three or four in a row. And then it's flipped again to thinking that maybe I wouldn't get the chance to play in another quarter final again. So to be here now is uh like it's incredibly special. I think anyone that, that plays European rugby they want to be in the quarterfinals and I think that in Ireland we're probably a little bit luckier again in that most of the people playing within their provinces all grew up wanting to play for their province so when you grow up wanting to play for a team and you get the opportunity to play in the knockout stages of, of the greatest competition in, in club rugby in the northern hemisphere sometimes you have to pinch yourself to how lucky you are like you wouldn't say we've identified weaknesses in the Leinster game because look, this is the best team in Europe they have been for well certainly a couple of years you know and definitely last year and you look what they achieved so look, to say they have weaknesses is a, is probably a bit of a stretch but there are areas of the game that, that we feel that, that aren't as good as, as their strengths are and, and that maybe even couple up with where our strengths are and that's what we're looking at, we're looking at how can we attack them, how can we manufacture things to create chances and we know we're not going to get an infinite amount of chances, there's going to be at the most a handful of chances and you 
to beat Leinster, you've got to take almost every one of them. And that's part of the exciting challenge. Um, we've also looked at bits of our games this season and we've taken bits and said, look, here is bits from whatever, 10 minutes from eight games where we've shown how good we can be. Well, the challenge for us is can we piece all that together to produce 80 minutes? Because it's going to take it's going to take that. And I think the teams that, that beat Leinster, the teams that live with them for 80 minutes and don't have a momentary lapse of concentration at any point through that, which sounds very tough, and it is, and that's why they don't lose many games. So Rory talking there about, uh, well, I suppose it's surprised the right word that he has got another chance at this level of uh, of Europe. Um, it's going to be massive for him individually, isn't it? This, I mean, like it's a it's a good chance for him. I think it's uh, yesterday when he was speaking, it seemed like it was a huge point of pride for him, really. And I made the point in the paper today that like I don't think Rory Best ever took. F- for granted playing for Ulster or anything like that that's not what I'm saying but this seems to be like he always had that pride in the jersey but this seems to be a squad that he actually really enjoys being part Mm of and there were certainly times in the last couple of years where Ulster from the outside did not look to be that enjoyable an environment to be in especially last year so the run of five years of not getting to the quarterfinals like they were close a number of times but they were a team that were trending in the wrong direction. And Rory Best was, as everybody is, getting older year on year. So if you had have asked me at the start of this season or last year, is Rory Best going to play in another European Cup quarterfinal? I would have said no. Like I would have agreed with him 100%. Mm-hmm. So for him to have played such a big role in reversing the course that this team was on last year and to have them back at this stage is a huge thing for him and like if they go out and get beat but put in a good performance then this is a season that I think Ulster will feel hugely hugely positive about in general but especially compared to last season which was just a horror show from start to finish uh, Interesting is quotes, quotes in the paper saying that if um, Ulster don't win it and then the first time they win something else is after he's gone that he's going to be really pissed off with that He's like, yeah, you like, it's like, it's almost like before Steven Gerrard left Liverpool, you're like, you really want them to win something big for him as much yeah. as for anything else. But like players have been talking about this for like year, four or five years. Like whenever else they were like, I think whenever everyone assumed that they were going to get over the hump and that this was like losing these big games was part of the learning process that all teams have to go through. Um, and then you win something like that was four or five years ago and like I remember Ian Henderson giving an interview of like yeah we want to win it for best and probably Bo Trimble and Wilson mm-hmm. and stuff at the same time um, you know those older players before they sign off and best is the only one left now really um, so I think he obviously won at the very start of his career so if he was able to bookend it and win something with Ulster before he hangs them up then that would be a nice way for him to buy out, but I still think as positive as this season's been, I still think we're talking there's a good a good distance between Ulster and the teams that are going to be winning things yeah. come the end of the season. Yeah. But it is the kind of thing, you know, where Rory's saying that he would be annoyed that if Ulster won something like the year after he left, is that the kind of thing that 
convinces him to stay on for next year in the hope that it uh, in the hope that it keeps him there yeah he's still rocking out there at 45 yeah (laughs) i will win something eventually (laughs) that next year might be the year i I can guarantee you know after he said that ulster will win something the year after he retires whether (laughs) that's next year or the year after that Ulster will win something the year after Rory Best retires now that he's said that. Wouldn't you love to be in the, the changing room on Saturday just to hear what he's going to say more than anything else? Like, I would love to. Well, you know, do I, the I, old virtual reality thing at the Ravenhill now where it puts <laughs> you in the middle of his uh, team talk. I can only assume that it's been cleaned up somewhat for... Um, oh, I can I can absolutely imagine that it's been cleaned up quite a bit. Children's consumption. But yeah, you can do that thing with a VR headset where you're like in the middle of the... Change room in the team. Somebody should film this one on Saturday. <laughs> Use that. Maybe not. Depending depending on the language. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Or and the result probably. Remember like the, the Paul O'Connell one from a few years ago. Why was that filmed? They must have been making it. Was it two thousand and seven? They made the documentary about the Ireland team. Anyway, no, because it must have been two thousand and nine. Because it was the. Anyway, if, if, anyway. if there's a team talk, I, I want to hear. Um, it was that one from Oyana back in. The, yeah, at halftime. Yeah, at halftime, where everybody came out after. It was just like Rory just completely turned it all around. Mm-hmm. And like I, I still want to know exactly what he <laughs> said, but uh, we, may, we may never know. No, probably not. Um, so we have discussed sort of the teams, the ins and outs of it all. Do you think Ulster can win? You have a difference in a, of opinion between the two of you. So, Adam, you go first. Can they win? Yes. Will they win? No. Um, so, do, <laughs> so can, right, yeah, yeah. yeah can, I, I, I just want to make that um, that distinction because if I said no, people would go, oh, Ulster uh, yeah, can't okay. win. No, no, no. That's fair. Can, that's fair. can they win? Yeah, I, I can absolutely see a way ways that Ulster can win, um, but it would need to be perfection from them for 80 minutes. Um, do I think they'll win? No, I don't think they will. I just think Leinster are still far too good. Their depth is so much better. I think the pack will, their pack will edge it over Ulster's, even though Ulster have taken so many steps forward this year. I still think that pack is slightly better. And then from there, it's just you know you look at the guys that Leinster are going to be able to spring from the bench. You know if. Yeah. If James Tracy starts, then Sean Cronin comes on off the bench. If Cronin starts, then Tracy comes on off the bench. Um, you'll have Tag Furlong coming off to be replaced by Andrew Porter. Um, whoever you have in the second row coming on, um, be it Ross Maloney or, or whoever it is coming on. Um, th- there's just so many reinforcements. I, I don't think it's going to be a horrible result I think Ulster will come out of this with a lot of respect and with their heads held high but I, I don't think they're going to win it so do you think the bench is the key going to be the key factor like could you see it being tight until replacements are, are being brought on I, I th- the difference I think that yeah yeah I think that's probably what's going to happen because you just look at the comparisons and who the two teams are going to bring on you know Ulster's first team that starting 15 could go toe-to-toe with a lot of sides in Europe, most sides in Europe. But whenever you get below that, the depth still isn't quite there in some positions that they'd like it to be. And Leinster just have internationals all over the place that they can uh, that they can call upon. So the ability just to replace like with like later on in games is absolutely massive, and that probably will prove the difference. But as, as I said, I think Ulster will come out with mm-hmm. a lot of respect from this game. Jonathan, it's time to shake off our negativity tag. Here we go. 
Well, Why Ulster will beat Leinster by Jonathan a, Bradley? Just as I said earlier, I think Leinster have lost an awful lot of that depth. Like, um, they're not as deep a squad as they were last year when you're looking at the bench. I mean, Ulster will have Nick Timoney coming off the bench, Rob Herring coming off the bench. Those are good players as well to bring into the last 20, especially given their, uh, given their work rate. I don't think Leinster's key men are in form, the Six Nations shows that I think while it's been quite some time since we saw Ulster as um, a complete entity they've been in better form I don't think when you look at the way that the pool stages went I think Ulster probably feel better about their pool stage than Leinster do Um, and I just think that there's an awful lot to be said for the fact that this is the biggest game that Ulster have played in five years this is the biggest game that a lot of these players have ever played and there is certainly something behind the fact that this is just another game that Leinster expect to win and be playing another game next month and another game the month after um, in this competition sport comes down to more, much 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 more than who wants it more but there's no doubt that Ulster want this more than Leinster do like Nobody's going to say it, and Leinster will say that they're as motivated for every game as they ever are. But, like, this is a game that if Ulster win, people will be talking about, as we know from, like, the Monster quarterfinal, people will still be talking about this for years and years and years to come. It's a huge, huge day for Ulster rugby that it isn't for Leinster rugby. This is the first big building block for this Ulster squad because we're talking about how Ulster squad don't have experience of playing in these big games for Ulster which is true Ulster you know there's only what three guys in this squad who have played in a game of this magnitude for Ulster so in terms of going forward all of a sudden all 23 of these guys in the squad will have that big game experience and for where Ulster are wanting to get to that's ideal. You're giving these guys a massive education going forward. It'll give them, whether they win or they don't, mm-hmm. it'll give them massive confidence. It'll give them massive motivation to go back and do it again next year. This should be treated not only as a game that they want to win. Of course, you, you treat it as you know a game that you want to win, that you want to get into the, into the semifinals and you, know, you, you want to go far. But at the same time, treat this as learn from this, grow from this, become better players, both mentally and in terms of play, and in terms of on the field as well, and use it going forward. Because mm-hmm. this side still isn't at a position where it's ready to be competing for trophies, in my opinion. But this can be the start of getting ready to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friends at the South Wales URSC have uh, tweeted in to us and they said um, that they believe we're going to win. I agree with you, Jonathan. Uh, they also said they believe that Ulster supporters have a huge part to play and that supporters must drive the team over the line and push them beyond their own and collective limits. They also point out that the Horseshoe House pub is the official, well, unofficial Ulster band zone and flag collection point, if you want to get yourself a flag. Um... The fact that this is at the Aviva rather than the RDS, the amount of Ulster fans that are going to go down there, could they make this feel like an Ulster home game? 
I think like um, I was talking to Ian Humphreys for a couple of different things in the paper, but one of them today about um, the difference that the fans can make, the fact that there's going to be 15,000 of them making that amount of noise. You know, you get 15,000, well, less than 15,000 at an Ulster home game. So they're going to be loud. They're going to be louder. I think. I think. I think they're probably going to be louder. And you look back again to 2012, and I don't like. I don't think this Ulster team is as good as the team in 2012 was. And I, I know I keep mentioning 2012, like they're comparable. The Ulster team then was better than the Ulster team is now. But you look at sort of the effect that the fans had on the team that weekend, mm-hmm. and just how big a difference it can make. <laughs> And the atmosphere that it's going to be, the fact that it's not the RDS, you're not going somewhere where you've had such bad, bad memories year on year on year on year. Like you're playing, an awful lot of those players I think are going to be lifted by the fact that it's in the Aviva, whereas it's maybe not run of the mill, but it's certainly an experience that they're used to for Leinster. There's only one set of fans that I would say are as good as the Ulster fans and that's Claremont um, so yeah the Ulster fans are going to I'm glad there. we have no listeners in Munster because they just fell off their chair <laughs> <laughs> they need to get a few fans first Why is it <laughs> intense <laughs> <laughs> um, well there's more empty seats than our Phil Tomen Park week on week um, it's 26,000 to be fair the Red Army no okay no, whatever Fine. No, I, I don't buy into that um no, the Ulster fans are going to make a massive amount of noise. You just, you've seen it before. You've seen them down in, in Toman Park for that game in 2012 where they were just absolutely bonkers in that stand behind the behind one of the ends. Uh, I, I just feel like there is going to be a huge lift for the Ulster team from the fans because you just know that they're going to go down there and they're going to make a whole load of noise. They're going to be absolutely mad for the entire day and it's just going to be an unbelievable atmosphere, in my opinion. Better get a few extra staff and those Gregs at the Apple Greens, look. It's going to be a busy day on the oh, Apple Greens. Oh, fans will be straight in for their vegan sausages. It's got to be Burger King on the way home from from Dublin. Oh, yeah, the Apple Greens, You said that. I'm on the way down. And I go no, on the, on the way down, you stop for a coffee. Okay, fair it's enough. Gregs. So... <laughs> Jonathan Reagans are going to win. Adam Reagans, they're going to lose. The Ulster players are very confident that they uh, can win and hope that they will win. Billy Burns was the other player to face the media on well, Tuesday. Tuesday. So here's a little bit from him. It's my first time, obviously, in knockout rugby in the Champions Cup. I did it in the Challenge Cup. And I think it's just the excitement of knowing that it's one shot. You've got one chance to go down there. Um, there's there's no sort of replay or anything like that. It's, it's winner takes all. So it's just... Um, getting that excitement, getting everything driven towards doing what you can to prepare well and, and go out on the pitch and do your thing. So um, we're, we're hugely excited. Like I said, there's a lot of boys who are experiencing this new, but um, they've stepped up to all the challenges so far and I'm sure they'll step up again on, on Saturday. I think I said it when I first came in here and did my first interview here. Like uh, I remember uh, when I first started talking to Ulster and the first thought that came to my head were, were those European knockout games. And um, to be here now and to be to be... In the like I said, business end of the competition is awesome, and um, I came over here to play in the top tier of rugby and, and, and play with quality players and, and play against quality opposition. And um, I'm hugely excited about that this week. Obviously, going up against probably the best ten in, in the world over the last few years, um, and what an opportunity that is for me. And I'm sure the other guys as well will be will be looking forward to uh, challenging themselves against the best. So 
um, like like you said, it, it was one of the main reasons why I came over here, and it's nice because it sort of justifies it as well coming over here. So um, I'm hugely excited about it, and, and hopefully we can we can get a good result. Couple more questions just to hoover up before we're done. Donald's second question of the week: Fadis and McGrath, what up with that? I ask. Haven't heard anything in a while. Do we know? Nothing to report. No. Yeah. Shrugs all around. Nothing to report. Yeah. Are they still coming? So there's nothing to report. <laughs> if there's all something right, to report, we'd reply to all the messages on Twitter. Because <laughs> I've gotten several over the last few weeks. Uh, Peter Baird, do you think Johnny McPhillips is going to leave at the end of the season? It's been a tough season for Johnny McPhillips now. Yeah. Um, hasn't got a lot of game time, especially off back last year. Because yeah. um, he had done well when yeah. he came in last year. Yeah. He's better than the amount of game time he's been given this year and I think being sent away to Boston with the A's was a bit of a kicker especially given you know the week that I'd love to go to Boston with Willie Anderson be amazing so would I but as (laughs) as an Ulster player I think you'd rather be back in Belfast preparing for a European quarter final but each to their own that's the Um, difference between professional sportsmen and me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I would I would think he would probably go at the end of the season. I hope he doesn't because I, I think he is still a very talented fly half who has a lot to offer to Ulster. But you know he's he's not getting game time, and there are teams over in England or potentially Connacht might uh, have an opening for him. Um, so I, I think he he could definitely get game time elsewhere. Yeah, would be good for him on a personal level to see him getting mm-hmm. a, a little bit more game time. Uh, so the clubs then from last weekend, what what have we got in store? I'll keep yeah. You you were stalling there very well until I had read. (laughs) Yep. Um, In Division One B, we have our first casualty of the season as Balamina's relegation to Two A was confirmed in rather worrying fashion as they were hammered 74-15 by St Mary's College at Templeville Road but here's hoping it's just a temporary demotion they'll be back next year. At the other end of the table Balnehinch kept pace with Old Wesley at the top of the table in their 37 or 34-27 win over Old Belvedere at Ballymacarn Park which keeps them second only on points difference to Wesley. Malone are up to third and are five points behind the leading pair after they won the Ulster Derby at Gibson Park 16-7 over City of Armagh who fall to 5th, a point behind Malone, while Banbridge fell 1 place to 8th after a 42-21 defeat by Nace at Rifle Park, which leaves them just 2 points ahead of ninth place Buccaneers in the race to avoid the relegation playoff spot. In Division 2A, Queen's University looked to have all but wrapped up the final playoff spot after they smashed already relegated Galwegians 73-7 at Crowley Park. There were some mad results over the weekend in the All-Ireland League. Um... Queens are 8 points ahead of 5th place UL Bohemian and are just 4 points behind Navin in 3rd with 2 games remaining. In Division 2B, Rainy Old Boys confirmed their place in the playoffs with a convincing 35-17 win over Greystones at Hattrick Park and it looks like they will be 3rd seeds for that as they are pretty secure in 3rd place. Meanwhile, Belfast Harlequins made the race to avoid relegation very interesting with a 10-8 win over Dungannon at Dermore Park which closes the gap between the pair to 3 points. Dungannon are in 
8th, Harlequins in 9th, and Harlequins have a 4-point buffer over Sunday's well at the bottom. In Division 2C, Omaakis kept up their push for a playoff spot with a 24-10 win over Tomond at home. That keeps them 5th, but they're just 3 points behind Bruff. Bangor got what could be an important point in their race to avoid relegation as they lost 22-20 to second place Middleton at Upbridger Park but got the losing bonus point while City of Derry slipped up place to 7th after they lost 33-13 at Seapoint. And in the Women's All-Ireland League, Cook moved up to 5th as they picked up a 22-20 win over St Mary's College at home. So just the one fixture this weekend to look forward to in the round robin. And Stonians begin their push to get into the All-Ireland League when they take on Enniscorthy at Shaw's Bridge. That's at 2.30pm. Well timed. Timed that early enough so we'll get back in watch the watch the Ulster game. <laughs> Although I suppose if they're not going to the Ulster game so tough luck for them. Anyway, there we go. Uh, bad result for Manbridge that at the weekend at this point. Home to it was, Yeah, Especially but, since Manbridge Bam- were you know, right up there in the mix for a long time. They've just gotten a really bad run recently and yeah. uh, got to get back on the horse quickly, otherwise they will be in serious difficulties. The Schools Cup final then. Apologies that we didn't have any podcasts last week. There was little could be done. It was a hectic week for scheduling anything, what with Northern Ireland internationals and various things in the lives of busy Belfast Telegraph reporters. But golf. Golf? Okay. Yeah, we, 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 we both golf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, like, just sell it out. <laughs> we've just been on the golf course all week. That wasn't Thursday anyway, it would have been two days for a podcast. And I'm just like, a part of the problem was that you were playing golf together, so it was like, I could just sit here and talk on my own, you know? You could have. I wouldn't have, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so when's that plan? Throwing us onto the bus there. Made out of that out. Skip and Scott, finally, and we haven't had a podcast since then, that was my point. Campbell 17, Methody 45. Methody, as we all expected, all season, absolutely smashed it, that performance in the last, what, like, well, 20, 25 minutes, half an hour. Superb. Yeah, they were good. Um, great team, and they finished it off with a sort of signature performance, if you like. Um, I think probably shows the Wallace semi-final performance in a different light as well, um, when you look at what are the yeah. points that everybody else um, shipped to that method side the back line um, really it was one of the most impressive schools cup final performances in recent times yeah absolutely what players could we see from there should we be looking out for from that team in terms of, a, of an Ulster perspective in the nearest future uh, Thomas Armstrong the fly half I thought was very impressive Chris Larmer out in the wing um, Ethan McElroy at fullback I thought there were it was Methody's back line that were really impressive um I think just continuing that that run of Ulster being able to bring through backs um, at an alarming rate. Well, that's pretty much us then uh, for this week. So, um, yeah, that's it. Here it is, our big quarterfinal preview podcast, done and dusted, in the can. Yeah. And for once, on for once I would like to point out, it's not me that's missing a big game, it's Gareth. <laughs> right. I, I miss every game. So Although, to be fair, Gareth's yeah. argument will be that he will be at the big game. Uh-huh, exactly. One point against Balnam. <laughs> no, you see, the AFA have, uh, or well, I think it's BBC's fault. They're showing the second Irish Cup semi final live, so it's kicking off at half five. Like, right, couldn't yeah. literally couldn't be worse. So yeah, I'm gonna be there doing that, and I'll probably try and get the stream up on my phone using your Premier Sports account. Thanks very much, John. Uh, you'll need my BT Sport account for this one. Oh yeah, 
yeah. Oh, I have one of those in my own. Anyway, so, yeah, I've sort of forgot, like, I'd blanked out of my head that I'm, like, barely going to be able to even watch the game. I have to watch it back. Anyway, that's disappointing way to end the podcast, but here we go. From Jonathan Bradley. Cheers, thank you very much. And Alan McCandry. Cheers, guys. Both of which, who will be at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, meanwhile, at Mooney Park, and then potentially at uh, Brazil, the Oval. Thanks for listening.